Get your hands off. Fanboys and Friends present A Marvel Cast, Earth's Mightiest Spin-Off Podcast. You're taking me somewhere to kill me. No, I'm taking you someplace to talk. Where I lie, I don't like to talk. But you do like to lie, which you just did. Because we both know you love to talk. Talky, talky. How long have you been here? I don't know, it's hard to say. You know, time passes differently here in the TVA. What does that mean? You'll catch up. Marvel. Glorious. We are Marvel cast and we are burdened with glorious purpose. Welcome to uh, the latest episode of Loki and the terrible, horrible, really, really, really messed up timelines. Clearly, gang, you can tell I like a certain book as a child. Or liked a certain book as a child. I don't know. Maybe I'm going through a loom. I'm remembering Ron. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, with me, I am your host, Davidson, and your master of all timelines. And with me, your friend of mine, um... Filling in yet again for our boy Mark Herleman, which we'll hopefully see again in 2024. But your friend of mine, Kyle Wagner. Kyle, how's it going, buddy? Actually, that's Aurora Boris to you. Thank you very much. I, 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 wrote, the hand, I wrote the handbook. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? The abbreviations with your name would just be murder. It'd be like KW, wouldn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we are we are here to talk Loki, and of course, you know, we're recording this, and we'll be honest with you, we're running a little behind, and it's probably it's more on my schedule than anything. I've been rather busy with work and real life and all that fun stuff. Well, so, you know what, this life and this loom and how the branches go, you know how this shit is. Come on, yeah. 
But we 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 have one of the more interesting entries into the MCU with mm-hmm. the Disney Plus Loki show and the only show at this point of all the Marvel Disney Plus shows to have a season two. Yeah, and it wasn't supposed to. I mean, it was um it was almost like an unplanned season two because I remember reading and Kyle, you and I were talking about this off mic that uh, originally this was conceptualized as a one-and-done season, well, much most, like everything else Marvel's yeah, well, been doing. Yeah, most Marvel stuff is one-and-done, but the season went incredibly well, and I think they felt the way with the TV, the aspect of the TVA and what they were doing with Loki, it was a good fit for what their future plans were. And obviously mm-hmm. introducing He Who Remains at the end of season one was a big part of that. But before we get talking about season two david i want to flash back just a little bit because i don't know how you were about season one and i know a lot of people really liked it it was a lot of people call it their favorite of the marvel shows i gotta be a little honest here i was probably at best lukewarm to season one of loki not because i i love hiddleston as loki i thought he was fantastic and then i thought the cast was fantastic but i think season one of loki felt very convoluted and very confusing it did it did. I'll be straight up with you, Kyle. Mm-hmm. All right. And I said this going all the way back to Endgame. Endgame, if you're going to do, if you're going to call out Back to the Future 2 or just Back to the Future in general and call it a bunch of bullshit, then do not go and do the same goddamn thing Back to the Future did, but throw in your own sort of Star Trek gobbledygook. Well, I, I want to say this because I'm glad you brought up that point because I do think season one couldn't really figure out which direction it wanted to go to. No, it couldn't. What I've seen of season two, starting really with episode two, and what, and then in my opinion, since Back to the Future, one of the greatest uses of time travel tricks mm-hmm. in a in in a movie or show. Um, Loki, this Loki season two has been a epiphany for me as far as. I really feel like, because I know they brought in some new directors and, and some new creative, and I really think it's really helped kind of tighten the ship on Loki in, in some aspects. It's it's made it to where you kind of have a better understanding of what's really going on in Loki, and it's not trying to go out in about 50 different directions all at the same time. Right, it has. it For me, it, it has another problem. You know what that is? What is that? I'm sorry. I'm just going to say the movies have killed my hype with Loki. I just don't care about him anymore. Well, I, I, I think I, I think I, I look at it this way when I watch this show and I, especially this show is that I'm able to separate this Loki, this version of Loki, because technically this is not the classic, what we know to be MCU version of Loki. He is a variant. He became a variant the minute, he took off with the Tesseract. That's another thing. If we didn't go through, you know, our, let's just say our own kind of blip, as it were, then I wouldn't be rolling my eyes every time the MCU uses the word variant because I'm like, just shut up with that. Uh, no, I, I get it. And I, it makes sense with the aspect of the TVA. Well, yeah, of course. But the timing sucks. Well, yeah, well. There's that too, but I mean, that's one of the things with season two that I think they've done a very good job of addressing is clearing up some of that confusion with the TVA and clearing up some of the confusion with this aspect of Loki and so and what 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 they're actually doing here. 
because it's kind of turned out turn the TVA has kind of done a 180 here in what their mission is. Yeah, no, I I can agree to that. Once I look past the whole, you know, what we're coming off of, and you're using the word that we've heard way too goddamn much. Well, I, I think the other thing to consider but you see is, you see what I mean there? Yeah, no, I I get where you're coming from, but I think the other thing we have to consider with the season two of Loki, mm-hmm. David, is this. I think if anybody's looking for a huge payoff at the end of the season, you're going to be highly disappointed because I think the point of Loki season two, after watching the first four episodes, and we're going to talk about the first two here, and then this, we'll put out a second episode with episodes three and four. But from what I've seen so far, I think the point of Loki season two is kind of to be the, the it's laying the groundwork for what will eventually be whatever the rest of phase five and phase six is. Because I think they realize there's a realization here that things need to be fixed. And I think they look at Loki and what they're doing with the TVA and if what the plan for the TVA is in the immediate future of the MCU, it's going to have a very big role to play because I think the TVA is going to be one of those through threads for at least phase five that is going to be key in setting up a lot of things because Again, rumors, so take it as it will. But I think at least one of these is pretty much on the level is the fact that the TVA are going to be an absolutely huge part of Deadpool 3. Or as we know from uh, Sean Levy, it's not going to be called Deadpool 3. Yeah, well, whatever whatever it's going to be. But right now, right, it's, right. Right now it's well, Deadpool 3. You know, he said that, so it's like let's – Let's just put that out right now and say, yeah, let's not hinge on that Deadpool 3. Because honestly, this is not going to be a Deadpool like Fox is doing them. Yeah. No, it's not. But the other thing the other thing I'm hearing, and I'm, I've heard this now from, from multiple different sources. Mm-hmm. And again, but it's still rumor. It hasn't been announced. It is in fact. But right. there's a lot of talk that the TVA are going to be a very big part of the Fantastic Four movie as well. and how the Fantastic Four gets incorporated. I would not be surprised. And how the Fantastic Four will be incorporated into the MCU. Because right now, again, the only 100% confirmed casting for Fantastic Four, even though it hasn't been officially announced, but most people know this, is Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm. Right. However, it's looking like our, our the actor who played Eddie from Stranger Things is going to be the Human Torch. Yes. <laughs> Um, I've heard the name. I, I don't know the name off the top of my head, but the person who's going to voice the thing, it looks like it's pre confirmed. But here's the big one. The rumors. Oh, wait, are, can I guess? Can I guess the go thing? For it, go for it. Uh, is that our boy from uh, the bear that you know Matt Matt was raving about? I think it might be him as voicing the thing. Yeah, but that's what I thought. Here's the big one, Mister Fantastic. Yeah, I've heard Jake Gyllenhaal. And I'm it's like, looking like Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm like, okay, first of all, we're not going to talk about it right now, but I'll just say, guys, you're 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 in you're personally in bed with Sony, and you already use Jake. Well, okay, so here's here's what I'm hearing is that because they're using Jake Gyllenhaal. This is the Fantastic Four is going to be coming from their own timeline. And hence, 
TVA is going to be why the TVA is going to do something to pre prevent the Fantastic Four from losing, being lost in their timeline, and hence getting them into the MCU proper. All right, all right, stop. I, ah, let, let's just deal with what we have right now, not what. You know, is not done. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that the TV. No, 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 so am I. Let's yeah. just deal with what we have right now. But the it looks like the plan is the TVA is going to be a big part of Marvel at least through Phase Five. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath. But we'll see. Uh, that, of course, then brings us back to Loki season two, which literally picks the episode one of Loki season two. Literally picks up right at where season one's finale left off. And what's the name of this one? The name of this episode is Ouroboros. That's a snake eating his own tail reference, isn't Correct. it? Yeah, and this episode was directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who also mm -hmm. directed episode four, Heart of the TVA. And they are directing episodes five and six as well. Get used to those names, people, because these are the directors that have been recently tapped to be a big part of the start over that is happening with daredevil born again <laughs> wow yeah again kyle let's go with what we have not well no that's born. that's confirmed i'm just no I'm just no no, no, no i'm not i'm not uh, what i'm saying is let's not talk about what we don't have yeah oh no i just i'm just i'm just i wanted to bring that point up because we're, we're, these guys are gonna we're gonna be hearing from these guys again yeah, I have my own I have my own concerns with Daredevil, but we'll get to those in our time. So, so in in this in this, this episode, I got a quick synopsis here for us, David. Uh, in mm -hmm. Ouroboros, in the past, the TVA attempts to apprehend Loki while he is uncontrollably warping across time in their headquarters. In the present, Loki reunites with Mobius M. Mobius and warns him of the threat posed by many variants of He Who Remains, the TVA's creator. Concurrently, TVA General Docs has several TVA hunters arm themselves ostensibly to find Sylvie, who caused the sacred timeline to branch after killing he who remains. Loki and Mobius meet TVA technician Aurora Boris, who deduces that Loki is time-slipping, a phenomenon possibly caused by branching timelines dangerously overloading the temporal loom. To save Loki, Aurora Boris instructs Mobius to approach the temporal loom with the temporal Aurora extractor device to extract Loki from the time stream as Loki prunes himself. Loki time slips to the future, future where the TVA is being evacuated as the loom goes critical. He encounters Sylvie before he is pruned by someone at the last minute. In the present, Mobius successfully pulls Loki from the time stream and they set out to find Sylvie. In a mid credit scene, Sylvie enters a branch timeline in Broxton, Oklahoma, a very big Easter egg, by the way. In 1982, and visits a McDonald's restaurant. All right. Can I just call out the last part of that synopsis? Uh-huh. Marvel, I thought, I didn't think you would do this. I didn't think you would sink so low to make Michael Bay's product placement seem less annoying. McDonald's? Really? I, but at least, at least they nailed it with the look. Of not only the uniforms, but all the packaging and everything like that. So I give. Them oh no, props. no, no! They perfectly did that, right? Yeah. But I'll talk about more in episode two when we get to it. Uh, but when I saw that, Kyle, 
my eyes were rolling so heavily. I'm like, Marvel, I didn't think you would stoop this low. I really, really didn't. I don't. I don't think. I don't necessarily think Disney does have a relationship with McDonald's. So, well, Disney does, sure. Well, but, do with Marvel. You know, but you know, we've talked about this before. Feige is their cash cow. By doing something like this, you really think they're listening to Feige very much at all? The answer is no. Well, I I, I think if I, I honestly didn't have a huge problem problem with it because it, it kind of it kind of fits I think what they were trying to do with Sylvie and mm-hmm. the fact that it was Broxton, Oklahoma, which I don't know, David, if you understand the significance of Broxton, Oklahoma, as a please Marvel explain. I'm sorry. Please explain. So there was a great run of Thor comics where Asgard fell and they brought Asgard and the surviving Asgardians to Earth to start a new Asgard, much like in the MCU. It just wasn't in where the MCU did it. They did it in the middle of Roxton, Oklahoma. Ah, yes, because, uh, you know, apparently they realized they messed up somewhere with new Asgard. (laughs) So it made, it, made, it made for some very fun stories in Thor with all these Asgardians trying to be welcomed by their new neighbors, to say. Right, yeah. But it, it, it made for some very fun stories, so it was a nice little shout-out to Easter Egg, to the Thor comics, and so I, I give them a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. But this episode, what I, what I really liked about this episode was... Um, that they picked up right where the season left off. Yeah, yeah, no, they did. I can okay. I I'm always the one saying the unpopular things, and here's no exception. All right. Mm-hmm. Like with the Mandalorian, where uh it 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 was went a little longer and then went into a direction of a show I didn't want it to. Here, I thought that the whole him being in a TVA where he's not known, forget the time slipping, okay? Mm-hmm. But him being in a TVA where he's not known at all was a vastly more interesting story then uh, the direction started to go in. Well, I think one of the other issuing interesting aspects of this too was seeing the immediate effect effect of killing he who remains, and then coming back to a TVA that's just drastically looking different with Kang everywhere, and also a great shot of some hanging murals, one with multiple versions of Kang on it. Yeah, true. I mean, again, the you know the one hang up with that is, of course, obviously the uh, all the majors issues right now, and it's like if that wasn't there, then um, going with this guy would be a little easier to digest. Because, and look, I say that as a guy who, even when I was reading comics about twenty twenty five years ago. Right, I enjoy Kane far more than I ever did Thanos. You know, I mean Thanos just seemed like a purple grimace, you know, General Zod instead of 
yelling about killing Superman. He actually, you know, went and actually did something. Um, I know DC fans are going to hate that comparison, but it's, it's true. Deal with it. But you see what I mean, Kyle? If that, you know, if that stuff wasn't there and lingering, it'd be easier to sit with this guy. For me, yeah. anyway. No, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, now, I, I do, and I will share this as a side note. I do have one idea if they have to do a massive phase pivot, right? And you want to know what that is? What's that? Okay. You have the whole Council of Kings bombed, right? Just flat out bombed, like, um, you know, in Civil War with the UN, right? Uh, and then out of the smoke, you see this, you know, figure, this hooded figure walking forward. And he's slowly walking, slowly walking. He und he curls back his hood, and what do you see? The smoke clears, and it's Victor Von Doom. Yeah, that would that would be intense. That would be very intense. Well, well, but if you have to, that's how you do a phase pivot, right? Mm -hmm. And I just have this lingering feeling that, especially when the 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 latest news came out about majors. We won't go too much into detail, but I just have a feeling that I talked with you about it, that um, they're going to have to do more than tiny phase adjustments. If this thing goes South. Yeah. You know, uh, would you not agree? So anyway, we were, as we were talking about, yeah, I mean, the, we've got to drop this Jonathan major situation, which is definitely putting a cramp into the, out, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into later episodes. But mm -hmm. one of the things, too, that I do love about this series, David, and even whether you're liking what they're doing with the story or not, the chemistry between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston is off the charts. Oh, oh, no doubt. You know, I said during season one, right? And and you will never hear me say this uh, to a uh, to, um, uh, as a sequel to a movie again, but look, can we have Tom Hiddleston, Owen Wilson for Wedding Crashers too? Not Tom, not Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Just give me Wilson Hiddleston. Yeah, no, I mean, it, first of all, it's just great to see Owen Wilson um, back doing stuff. Um, but yeah, the big the the big thing for me is just those those two both both this is actors, but as their characters too. Whether it's Owen Wilson as Mobius or Tom Hiddleston as Loki, they just they play off of each other so well, and they really built the chemistry over season one, and you, it's just hitting all of its marks here right from the get go in season. Two. Well, and you know what? Okay, the six episode thing is bullshit, but you do realize what's important here. What's the one thing important here? Well, besides giving us a good story, it's the, the important thing is is that you know we're we're entertained and we we keep we keep we keep we keep we we keep Owen Wilson happy. No, the important thing here is <laughs> he, his series has outlasted his brother on Star Girl. That, that, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> 
Well, no, I no. Just, I, just saw, I just saw him point that out. Technically, no, because Stargirl went three seasons. Damn it. Well, okay, fine. All right. And there were All more right. episodes in a season of Stargirl. That is true. That is true. It was actually in the in the era of TV and not this sort of you know six episode, eight episode you know, nonsense. Yeah. Which Disney, by the way, you gotta stop. Well, I think they're working towards it. I think Loki was all because of the situation with it. I think, and and I'll be honest with you, I'm watching these this series in season one and through season two so far. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is one of those times where it feels like it's a series because I feel like in this particular case with these two seasons, if you would have done this as a movie. As confused as people were during season one, they would have been ten times more confused as a movie trying to absorb all this in one sitting. Yeah. I will give credit where credit's due. Season two feels more like a show. Season one felt like a really obvious cut-up movie. Yeah. No, I think season two, and I think that's... I mean, would would you not agree? Uh, I, yes and no, to certain points, Yes. But I think season two is feeling more of that because they changed some creators. Bringing and I'm going to throw these two names out here again: Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. They're the two new directors that are really involved in the show heavily, and they're directing they four out of the six episodes. So I think they're them and the new writer um, Eric Martin really help bring some balance. And I know that is one of the things that. Um, has been discussed, especially with the Daredevil situation, is that we've got to get, they're, they're going to be changing up how they do these things. They're going to have proper showrunners. Yeah, because be- they're, they're pivoting into the idea of event television, which honestly is good because I think you and I can both agree, even me, who's still riding the high of Ahsoka, right? But both you and I can agree that as far as event television, yeah, Disney's failed that. It's oh, like I, let's do a let's do event television without actually doing event television. Well, and I, I think I think that I think that's why Loki season one worked for so many people because I as as uh, as I was on it for a lot of people, I think season one of Loki more than any other Marvel show felt like event television. I yeah, I can see that. I don't agree with that, but I don't I, I don't it. necessarily agree with that, but I understand, but I can see. When I go back and look at the the all of the Disney Plus shows that we've gotten from Marvel and even right. from other other things that they've done, mm-hmm. none of them have very few of them have felt like event television shows. Right. Loki season one, whether you enjoyed it or not, felt like event television, and season two even more so. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And I think I think you even get. I mean, that's what makes I think it, this first episode so magical because. You have this pickup right from season one. You have a sense of peril that's going on. And let, let's also, we're, we're skipping the biggest part of this. Which is? Which is, to me, bringing in a character who has made this, made, added to the improvement of season two so well, in Aurora Boris. Oh, Obi. <laughs> First of all, let me let me say two things here. All right? Mm-hmm. And one is going to be kind of not really a dig, but more of a sort of what they could have done, what I would have preferred they would have done, is 
it is wonderful to see Kihu Kwan again. Um, I look, I love Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. I mean, minus the Harrison Ford video gamey look, but I would have preferred um, the the associate of his, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be an older short round. Yeah, right. It it would have made a lot more sense had it been older short round. Yeah, with him, not you know, um, you know Jimbo Rambo or J- whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Uh, that just would have made more sense, and then have the granddaughter be, you know, Kihu Kwan's kid. Yeah. So, you know, it would have just, you see what I mean? So it would have just flowed and connected a bit better. Yeah. But no, but overall, having him, I'm like, it is what it is. Having him here in this role is just fantastic. One, it's fantastic casting. Yeah. And the second point I wanted to bring up was at least, you know, he, at least he's not, he, he, he would have, uh, I want to say this as nicely as I can. He would have, uh, coming off of Temple of Doom, been easily typecast in that stereotypical Asian role box. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, is that fair? Uh, no, that's fair. Yeah, and the, he was phenomenal in uh, everything, everywhere, all once. Granted, a movie, a movie I didn't really care for because I'm just like, wait a minute, why is this movie suddenly an episode of The Office with with a dildo fight in it? Made no sense. Yeah, but no, I, no, he I, I, was, he was fantastic in the movie. No, he 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 was absolutely fantastic in the movie, and he he's had a bit of a renaissance here. But yeah, the the, the other aspect of it is is how it introduces things like the the, the the temporal loom and how that's working. The whole Aurora extractor, and just mm-hmm. one of the best time travel moments where you have Loki jumping in and out of different time frames, and literally you're seeing him meeting Aurora Boris in the past. And having yeah. the discussion with him and Aurora Boris remembering those things right then and there in the present all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. I thought that was funny. And the way Kihu Kwan played it. Yeah. Oh, it, man. I couldn't stop laughing. And what I what I love, too, is by using the temporal loom and how they explain things with, with how with the death of he who remains, it it, it was him that was preventing it, these other things branches of other timelines and this is where you start getting into a little bit of the understanding of the fact that he who remains that we saw at the end of loki season one it's it's not whether he's a good guy or a bad guy it's what he's trying to accomplish on one hand he's trying to keep the sacred timeline pruned because he knows that if there's all these branches it means a little more kang variance which leads to the time the king king time wars Right, but yeah, the multiversal war. But the, the the flip side of that is by killing by pruning all these different timelines. Now you're killing all these people that exist in those timelines, and hence that's where the variants come in. Yeah, well, let's get back to Loki. Where were we? Okay, um, I think we were we were talking about um Aurora Boris and um 
we were talking about the the timelines and why we needed the timelines and the decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He who remains has um, you know, again, what what it boils down to, especially in this first episode, is just establishing the new order and we're seeing the TVA basically realize, oh my God, he's wiped he wiped all of our memories. We're actually variants. We're killing our own time, possibly killing our own timelines and our own people. Mm-hmm. And that really that really changes the whole tone of the show for the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, it certainly makes it more intriguing than just you know how episode one started or season one started because season one. Uh, especially that first episode felt like a, you know, Loki, this is your life. Yeah, no, th- th- it kind of did, but what do you agree? It, it was it was a Loki clip show, basically. Yeah. Basic, basically, but um, you know, the other thing is too is obviously we we'll, we'll come back to this up ep- in the episode, but um, this episode links into episode four quite well as well. Yeah, it it. it it kind of uh, is episode four eating episode one's tail. Yep, just just a little bit, but just I want to move. Image. I do want to move into episode two, Breaking Brad. Yeah, let's. Have we said everything on episode one? Yeah, I feel we. I feel like we have. Yeah, we pretty much covered that. Yeah. Let's go to episode two, Breaking Brad. Which, okay, uh, I've got a. I got a quick plot synopsis here for you. So. Okay. Loki, Mobius, and Hunter B-15 find and capture Hunter X-5 in London, 1977, on the sacred timeline, where he lives as film actor Brad Wolf. Under interrogation, he admits to abandoning Doc's mission and reveals Sylvie's location. Meanwhile, Aurora, Aurora Boris attempts to repair the loom to safely accommodate its branching timelines, but discovers he cannot access it without help from the missing Miss Minutes or He Who Remains Aura. Loki, Mobius, and Wolf travel to Oklahoma and find Sylvie working in a McDonald's. Loki tells her of their encounter in the TVA's future and asks for her assistance to figure out what would happen. Sylvie refuses to involve herself with the organization. After Wolf proclaims the group is in mortal danger, Sylvie enchants him, forcing him to reveal Doc's plan to simultaneously destroy the branching timelines with reset charges. Sending Wolf back into custody, Loki, Morius, and Sylvie to capture Doc's, but her plan has largely succeeded and some of her loyalists have escaped. As TVA receptionist Casey tracks down the rogue Ravona Renslayer's temp pad on one of the remaining branching timelines, Sylvie discovers the TVA is rotten and returns to the McDonald's with he who remains his temp pad in her, her possession. You know what you missed in there? What's that? Right? <laughs> uh, that when Docs was going to you know blow up the branch timelines with uh, with you know, display charges or whatever they were. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sitting here listening to you read that, thinking, isn't that exactly what Sylvie was doing? In, in a way, yes, but she was trying to do it through by taking out he who remains. Right, but I'm talking at um, when she was hiding out in that apocalypse at that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, Sylvie, yeah, Sylvie went that, through. That's that basically was what she was doing. Yeah. But the the thing the thing with this episode, the, a couple of big things stand out for me in this episode. Mm-hmm. One is I love seeing you actually kind of see Loki being Loki in this episode. Yeah, you tra- do. It's just kind of kind of fun. And yeah, where, I don't where re- I don't recall 
I mean, granted, the movies have overused them to the point where my hype with Loki is kind of meh. But I don't recall Loki being Loki that much as far as the films go. Well, here he's using his magic. He's having a little fun. They're chasing down. Well, but you know what I mean? Like chasing Brad, I don't recall any of the movies doing the the shadows along the wall grab you trick. Well, no, but they still, it's still doing, getting to see Loki do his magic and things like that is always fun. Yeah, yeah, true. And then just to have the high emotional moments with, when they're interrogating Hunter X Five, Brad, and just hearing, yeah. you know, you you hear it. You have these TVA agents who are just like, I just want to go live a life. You know, they they've been mind wiped, they've been manipulated. They just want to go live a life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's I think that's a pretty important aspect of it too. Obviously, we have the whole Sylvie angle here, yeah. which you know, she's pretty much just dead set on how can she take out more versions of he who remains? Basically, yes. And then you add in the aspect of just what's going on with the TVA and the emotional heartache you actually feel from the members of the TVA when they start seeing the timelines die. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I see that and I don't feel emotion. You know what I feel? What do you feel? You know, Feige going, yes. No, I don't. I don't know if I. I think they did a good job of the storyline of really putting the weight you know, on. No, no, but uh, Kyle. The only reason I say that is, you know, the irony of you know cleaning up all this stuff. You're cleaning up, uh, you know, Fox. You're cleaning up Sony. Uh, so you're basically just leveling the whole playing field, which is exactly. And we discussed this when Feige got the keys to the Marvel Kingdom and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all those shows sort of go away, which is exactly what's going on here. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's 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 still it's still one of those things though where yeah, that's kind of an undercutting thing, but I mean just the aspect of seeing it's um, not just undercutting, but it's pretty goddamn obvious. Well, I know, but I, I'm going right now. I'm focusing on the emotional side of the show and just how I know how you are. I know impactful that was. I mean, mm-hmm. and how how well acted that was, and then you have everything with Brad being on the timeline, getting his own life. Um, yeah, and the whole Zaniac premiere. Yeah, which now, would do that. What, what fun is Zaniac? Story. Isn't there a Marvel history? Marvel there is Thomas a little bit of a Marvel there? history there, not a really, really obscure Marvel history. Ah. Like so most people it, wouldn't even really know it, unless so you're it, it'll it'll probably be touched when they uh, get so desperate as to bring Squirrel Girl to the screen. Yeah, well, you know, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, this, again, with this episode, what this episode does so well for the season of Loki is really kind of keep you in the understanding of what's going on, the weight of what's going on, and the emotional impact of what's going on. Yeah, no, I agree. It does. So, um, and again, I'm going to go back to Sylvia at the McDonald's. I, I mean, I get your point that you have with it, but so well done, so accurate, so just it, it is. It's just the product placement is kind of like it's just it's just a little too heavy for for me in this episode. It's a little I, too heavy. I, I I think it worked for me. It, it works. It didn't take too much from the episode. And if anybody's going to go any place in the '80s, McDonald's is definitely, especially that period of the '80s. McDonald's is a standout 
option. Oh, 82? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I want to know. I came along about two years later. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm about seven at that time, so, yeah. Ah, uh, okay, all right, all right. Play your old card all you want, sir. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do my time jumping, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, to the energy of Aurora Boris as he's trying to attempt to repair the loom. Right. Um, everything that's going on with that. Again, that's the one thing. Episode two is probably, in my opinion, kind of the least impactful episode as far as just what's there's stuff going on, but there's not like a lot of different directions going on. It's really when you get into episode three that things really start getting interesting with that. And but I think episode well, one, yeah, episode I, two, I, I I think that's what I got, you know, got across initially. Where okay, first of all. It, again, it's the enjoyment with the majors factor. We'll get into that uh, with the next few. Yeah. Uh, but it's more the, you know, my issue that I've had ever since Endgame, where it's like, guys, if you're going to have Ant-Man call Back to the Future a bunch of bullshit, which is bullshit, by the way, then don't you, you have the audacity to do the same kind of stuff, but with your own sort of Star Trekian gobbledygook. Well, I, 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 yeah, Quantum Mania is a whole other discussion here, but no, I'm not talking Quantum Mania. I'm talking Endgame. Uh, well, you know, I think there's still more to that that's going to play out here before it's all said and done. Mm, probably. Knowing Marvel, Feige won't be satisfied until he fricassees everybody's brain out there. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Back on. Let's not turn. Yeah, yeah, turn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn into Kevin Feige hate talk. Uh huh. Let's let's focus on let's focus on what we're talking about. Which hey, it's le- it's less hate talk when it's actual fact. Okay. Um, I mean, let's, let's let's focus on Loki because I I think as we wrap up here with kind of see episode one and episode two, David, it, mm-hmm. to me, it's very clear. These episodes are really establishing the threat, but the impact of the threat. Right. Yeah, it is. And where I think we're, we're, we're as we get into talking about episodes three and four, we're going to, that's where the direction of the show changes and gets more complex. It, it certainly was more captivating than episode one and two, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. All right. So, uh, again, now mark the end of the first episode for Loki and the terrible, horrible, really, really, really messed up timelines. Again, apologies for getting to it a little late, but you know what? Uh, you know, life, loom all the branches and where it carries us, you know how it is. It's not a, not a podcaster's friend on a professional level. So I'd like to thank uh, Kyle, my co-host for joining me on this uh, episode, talking some uh, Marvel cast or, and uh, some Loki flavor, no less. Yep. Absolutely. Always a little, always fun to talk some MCU and get into a little mischief with the God of mischief. Yes, a little mischief with me. I mean, not like we don't do that anyway. Um, And, gang, we will be back, um, you know, talking episode three and four. 
So till then, I will just say. Say my name. Say my name. Say my name. Say my name. I know what this place is. Thanks for listening to Loki and the terrible, horrible, really, really, really messed up timelines. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. A Marvel cast, Earth's mightiest spinoff podcast, covering Loki, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. You really believe in this Loki variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Loki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? All Things MCU Marvel is a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. This podcast is meant for informational purposes only, all rights reserved. No infringement is intended.